the man. I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm all times two. Half past despicable. Last man to bring it through. Fast raps and critical stack. Analytical slap slap. I'm hitting. Mic check. Oh yeah. You smack smack. I'm sticking you smack lips to stack tips. All with the lyrical technique. For party crashes, liquor spilling mayhem. Fuck cops to play them. Super bitches to slay them. Saw serious biz. No time remains for the cattle defecation. You spitting right in this brain. What the f***? Thank you so much for hitting play on episode 63 of Breakup Gaming Society, home to America's least responsible board game podcast. Well, what, what, you know, what we do here is a very simple structure. Um, booze, board games, and hip-hop, with maybe a few laughs along the way. A few. I am your host and friend, the great unclean one. So let's get down to it. Here's what you can look forward to. Or regret having listened to later. Drink of the week. Have you ever, like, fallen victim to, like, a seasonal preference and uh, return to a kind of drink you'd abandoned years ago because you decided you didn't like it, and then you came back and realized, I do like this. I did. So for my last few sessions, my jam has been buying a nice creamy stout and pairing it with an affordable whiskey back, uh, a bourbon to be specific. I'm going to turn you on to a recent one-two punch that knocked me out in every sense of the word. Game of the Week. One of my side quests for 2023 is learning how to game marshal a session of Frontier Scum. What's Frontier Scum? I, I think I featured it last uh, episode or the one before when I first got the book and sort of did an overview of it. It's a Mork Borg-based tabletop role-playing game set in a comically bleak version of the Old West. Uh, what was the first step for me? Making characters. So I'm going to introduce you to these uh, three characters I made and also tell you why I think the mechanical principles of, of this game appeal so much more to me than does you know, the mindset and approach of the big, obvious dragon franchise game that everybody plays that is inescapable. Track of the week. I'm going to explore the transformative magic of the remix or mashup that synergizes better with the rapper's vocals. As a matter of fact, does it so well that it fires the original. We're going to hear a few selections of a Biggie classic over an Eric B. and Rakim beat. And a couple of other uh, instances I'm going to just talk about uh, in my listening career where I found a remix or a, a mashup that completely obviated the album version, at least for me. So um, if you, you're all comfortable, sit down, carefully open that nitro can of stout over the sink, please. And let's do Drink of the Week. I've been through hard times too. The situation demands I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm all times too. Half past despicable. Last man to bring it through. Fast raps and critical stack. Analytical slap slap. I'm hitting. So I hit this point midwinter where even my standard brown liquor craving which usually gives way to vodka once peak summer heat sets in. I, I got bored with it, and I went back to an old standby of a beer and a shot with uh, life-giving stouts in this instance. Now, over the course of several weekends, I rotated quite a few stouts around uh, an anchor of Jim Beam Devil's Cut. Why? It's reasonably priced, and it's a decent sipper. Um, you know, down here in Trinidad, Colorado... A lot of the mid-price bottles 
that I would look for in a larger city are very expensive here. So I was like, I see something for under $25, and I know I'm going to be spending another 18 on a decent six-pack of stout. I, I, I've been getting the, I got the bargain bourbon, or the slightly marketed upscale bargain bourbon, Jim Beam Devil's Cut. Down here, down south Colorado, we are at the tail end of multiple supply chains, and, you know, it just gets spendy. So, But uh, I didn't skip on the accompaniments, which included, uh, see, one, more than once, got a six-pack of left-hand milk stout. Good, sweet, and dependable Colorado product. Always a safe choice when I can't make up my mind. I just stop looking, and I grab, the, I grab some left-hand. Uh, two, can't go wrong with this either, Guinness Nitro Cans. Um, I tore through a case of them since January. Uh, three, Murphy's Stout Cans. This was a new one for me. Um, this was a big surprise because for the the body and the creaminess and the distribution of velvety bu- bubbles, it kicked the shit out of Guinness. Now, I still like the flavor of Guinness a bit better, but Murphy's was doing something right when they canned that batch. And, and and of course, the big discovery had a, had a fun night with uh, Dragon's Milk Bourbon Barrel-Aged White Stout. A sip and shot of, of you know, uh, Jim Beam Devil's Cut Back. You know, it, it was actually my first time in a long time shelling out for a craft beer. So, I don't know what's up with the trends. Stouts can be white now? I guess so. I didn't expect a lot pouring it out of the can, but it was extremely tasty. Now, as a pairing with a sugary liquor like bourbon, maybe it's too much sweet on top of sweet. But it was a nice surprise. It was smooth as silk, and the bourbon barrel flavor felt well-balanced to me. I remember the night I bought it, I ran into a local homie at the bar, and I told him, you know, I've got some devil's cut dragon's milk in the car and he was welcome to come out to the homestead and attack it with me and he was really dismissive he's like yeah, dragon's milk it sounds like some kind of game of thrones bullshit and you know what i'm glad he declined because i went home and had a minor epiphany during the first can then i finished off the four pack and it was delicious and i felt great and you know what dude's not invited over for the next four pack either Let's do Game of the Week. Well, I've been through hard times too. The situation demands I bring the hard rhymes through. That's why I'm all times too. Do you want to meet some scum? Because you're about to. Uh, in service of learning, eventually, I hope, how to run a good session of uh, Frontier Scum, a Morkborg based Western RPG, I made some characters. And I felt at home with this game. Immediately, one of the reasons being it completely removes the expectation that you're going to be some big hero or you're going to be some super interesting, quirky something or other. You, you can be interesting and quirky, but I guess, I guess what I'm saying, at the risk of sounding elitist, but honestly, I've eavesdropped on lots of D&D games and I talk to D&D players about their sessions and I listen to D&D people on Twitter. And, and the fact of it is, I think unless you can leave a lot of yourself behind when you cross the proscenium of the stage from regular life into the game, 
I don't think that many people are... I honestly think 75% of the people who are playing D&D should just be playing board games. Play Descent, or there are lots of other things where you can... There's drama, and it's evocative of a story, and you have a character that's yours, but you only have to worry about it for two and a half hours. Not, you know, I don't know, go into a black depression because your umpteenth level tiefling whatever got killed and you saw it as a projection of your precious self. But the fact is, the proposition frontier scum puts before you is you're not that interesting and you're not that special and you're probably going to die really fast. With that in mind, they set up a really cool character creation system for what kind of scum you're going to be. Now, here's some things on the, the dashboard that don't move. Every character that comes into the game starts with a bounty on their head and, uh, and on the run. Every session, you're going to be in danger of a bounty hunter or someone else wanting to collect that because of something you did. You start with you know a handful of wild things. Everybody gets a gun and a stolen uh, quadruped of some kind. <laughs> but some of the other stuff you get can be really random to the point of useless, which really evokes this, here you are, out on these wind-stripped plains, trying to do your best before the jaws close in. And I, I like that proposition. It sort of removes the, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a big hero thing. Yeah, could, chances are you're probably going to die. And And serving the mordant, inherent gallows humor of the game is more important than bonsaiing your precious other self into glory. So what what happens? So I made three characters. It's weird because despite what I said earlier, I haven't played a single scene with them and I'm already kind of attached to them just because, and I also want to thank Carl Druid, the maker of the game, because I have not played a lot of indie TTRPGs deeply, and I got stuck on some things that I think are obvious to people who do. Dang, if old Carl out there in Sweden wasn't very responsive to some of my questions about how do I do this, so let's meet some scum. You may not hear of them again, because there are no levels in this game. Your basic, there's two levels, basically. You're alive or you're dead. And um, so let's meet number one. Um, so, so first of all, my first one is a uh, Clancy Valentine, aka Bull Rider. Now, Clancy, um, uh, as it says here, is a former ranch hand. Now, this is very easy. Uh, when you roll your class at the beginning, I think you throw a D12, and you're one of twelve bedraggled former professions. Um, Clancy is a ranch hand. That says um, she has an appetite for danger and cropped ears, which if, uh, if you've ever seen or heard anybody in an old gritty western you get called crop ears. It's because somebody just, you know, uh, snipped their pinna, like the whole outer part of the ear off. So uh, Clancy's just got some some welts of scars there where the ears were. Um, 50, oh, see, boy, 100 silver reward wanted for casual theft. Four categories of abilities. Grit, slick, wits, and luck. Now, all you do is figure out what your modifier is on a d20 roll. 
So um, again, thanks to Carl here. He walked me through this. You roll a D4 once, and then you roll D4 a second time, and you subtract the second result from the first one, and it tells you how good you are uh, at, at, at skills. And there's a lot of narrative leeway for the DM to decide we, which skills get applied in what situations. You roll a D6 for hit points. So right now, Clancy has two hit points. And if you look at some of the weapons and things that happen to you, you can get snuffed fast. But that's life. That's, that's life. I picked a tweed newsboy for their hat. And there's an important thing in here. This game is brutal enough where uh, the game gives you an out in terms of you, if, you're, if something's about to just completely blow you out of the water, you can throw away your hat to sort of get a second lease on life. Um, uh, they have a whip and a canteen on their belt and their pockets, six silver, ten cigarettes, and some rifle rounds. Um, on the back, a repeater rifle. That was a good roll for me. And then, uh, owing to their profession, 15-foot length of barbed wire. Hopefully that comes in handy. Now, there was a really neat part where you determine your skills because rather than just giving you the skill when you roll on the table, you get a prompt that tells you the situation in which you got the skill. What happens is, you know, with Clancy is you, uh, I think, you know, it says you acquired the skill when you, you know, had the best day of your life and, and, and a war. And so, and, and the sort of a backstory will form around this as you determine the skills. So uh, Clancy's uh, special unique skills are odds and betting, owing to the fact that uh, when they still were a ranch hand, um, it was not unheard of for uh, them to arrange fights in some of the bullpens and knowing who was more likely to knock the other one out. And then uh, the second skill is... Uh, for, I picked... Um, oh, yeah, they... The, the table said, this is a skill you acquired um, when when branding a, a, <laughs> a cow that you shouldn't have been branding. So I'm like, what's a good skill for that? So I picked uh, first aid, specifically as it pertains to blunt force trauma, meaning, you know, more than once, maybe Clancy themselves or one of their colleagues uh, caught a hind leg from an unwilling steer and uh, and Clancy kind of has a talent for that. And then um, for the last one, I can't remember what the, the, the prompt was, Clancy is also a brandy connoisseur, owing to the fact that at their last job, um, they were quite cozy with the, the baron who owned the ranch land and would get invited to uh, drink and sample uh, brandy in in the ranch house and, and got quite knowledgeable about it. These are things which might make for interesting stories. So that's Clancy. Oh, Clancy also uh, has a gray riding horse. Stolen, of course. The, uh, the horse is named the Goods DeVos. And uh, <laughs> they make your roll for what the animal likes. And this is going to create some interesting situations. It says the animal likes peace and quiet. So um, they're probably... Oh, <laughs> I forgot the, the most foundational part. I, I rolled on the table... Um, there's no alive part of the bounty on Clancy. They're one dead. Good luck, Clance. Number two is a uh, Chastity Boom Boom Kewitzana. Chastity is a, a carcass trapper with morals for sale and 14 bullet scars. 
won a dead or alive 90 silver reward and wanted for um, what I invented was a profligate gunplay. Um, has excellent uh, modifiers <clears throat> with uh, tests relating to the slick ability. Uh, wits and luck are neutral and grit, minus two modifier. So uh, not physically tough, three hit points. Chastity wears a, a Nevada-style cowboy hat, has a, a canteen on her belt, um, in her pockets, she has 10 silver rifle ammo and, for some reason, 60 animal teeth. Maybe that will prove valuable in a trade at some point. Who knows? Um, being a, a carcass trapper, uh, the skills are, I, I picked, uh, based on the situational cues, trap setting, hiding one's tracks, and um, the third one is impersonating family. Uh, one thing Chastity used to do. Uh, as as a kid who was more or less grew up on the streets, was learning how to uh, show up fairly presentable at a funeral and uh, and present herself as some distant cousin of the deceased so that they could get at the food at the wake. Okay? Uh, on, on her back, she's got a, oh, a mangy fur, which um, doesn't sound too attractive, but it says here it, it cuts damage by one. An umbrella... Okay, and a repeater rifle has a uh, a gray uh, racehorse. That's the best animal you can roll for. Named Abbott Legs, and um says here, what the heck? Oh, <laughs> um Abbott Legs' favorite thing to do is chewing boots. So there you go. That's um, Chastity, Boom Boom Kewatsana, and her horse Abbott. Then uh, there's the first character I made, one a dead or alive, reward 50 silver is uh, Alfred Montaigne, a.k.a. Splinters. Why Splinters? Well, he's a hot-tempered undertaker with wooden teeth, wanted for wanton defenestration. Now, I rolled on the chart to come up with the amount of the reward, but I decided to be a little creative with uh, wanton. As you know, defenestration means pitching something out a window. Uh, the reason Alfred's on the run is because, as an undertaker... He got sideways with a family that had multiple stiffs in his morgue, and uh, they got they got sideways about the payment. And Alfred, being hot tempered and not thinking ahead, threw all the bodies out the second story window of his business and into the mud on the street. Turned out this family was violent and well connected, so now he's on the run for wanton defenestration, subpar grit and slick and, and neutral wits and luck. Well, what's he got on his head? I decided Alfred was going to be the type to sport a bowler hat. His skills are whittling, which makes sense. He can make stuff out of wood. He, he made his own teeth. Strangulation is his second uh, skill. Why strangulation? The, the prompt was, this was a skill you acquired when reburying the stubborn. <laughs> I mean, someone wasn't dead yet, so I figured... You know, maybe somebody you thought was dead rises up off the table and starts cussing at you. Well, you don't want a, a fuss, and you want to make sure you get that payday. So I'm going to say that if Alfred ever gets in melee and he gets the chance to get his hands around your windpipe, he's going to lock on pretty good. And owing to the fact that he used to be in graveyard, graveyards where he'd have to hide from ghouls, remaining hidden and quiet for long periods of time is among his skills. Uh, on his belt, he has a carved femur and a canteen. 
has a sawed-off shotgun on his back. And in his pockets, he has a makeup kit with three uses, a chocolate bar, and shotgun shells. Um, his, uh, <laughs> his mount is a gray donkey named Stompy Gales, and uh, Stompy likes a daily bath. So maybe there's some p- parts where if you know he gets distracted by an adventure and forgets to give Stompy his bath, maybe uh, some, some things will start going wrong for Alfred. So there you go, Alfred Montaigne, um, Boom Boom Kewitzana, and uh, uh, Clancy Valentine. Those are my first three characters for, from Dead Belt. Now, I, I have did do a, a very short GM session for this where I just sort of see if I could narrate or, or guide a fight. Um, did a quick 20-minute scenario with a friend of mine in town who uh, was kind of pinched for time, but um, it gave me a better sense of, of how things are going. Plus, there's a subreddit for, for Dead Belt where um, a very small community uh, chimes in quick when I have questions. And then, plus, again, I want to thank the creator, Carl Druid, for, for being a, a responsive dude whenever I hit something um, in the beautiful rule book that just doesn't make sense. But there you go. I've created three characters for Dead Belt. They're probably not going to last. Don't get attached to them. Here comes Track of the Week. Hey, it's the great unclean one welcoming you back for Track of the Week. And a brief... This is just something I've noticed. I keep noticing these instances where over the last 20, 30 years of listening to hip-hop, there'll be a remix or a mashup of a track where the reinterpretation is so good that I never want to hear the original again. Uh, Example number one. uh, I love Third Base's debut album. And they have a song in there called Product of the Environment. And, you know, I listened to it when I had it on tape way back in 1989 or whatever. But I remember watching In Living Color. And uh, Third Base came out and did the the remix beat of that at, at the tail end of the show when they'd sometimes have an, an act on to, you know, rap during the, the, the final credits. I don't think since I heard I was magnetized. I have not listened to the album original since. Um, geez, uh, there's a Master Ace song, and I'm blanking on it. I think it's called "The Ride." Uh, the song's about having a having stereo battles with dudes in other neighborhoods, and um, it's okay. And it was fine until I heard a mashup where they laid those vocals over the drums from Dr. Dre's deep cover. And those drums made those verses pop so much harder. Haven't listened to the other one since. I'm, I'm happy with the mashup. So I want to thank uh, the Professor MJ at the Professor MJ down at KABF in Little Rock, Arkansas. Because uh, his, his last episode uh, he did down there they kicked off with um, uh, Biggie's Party and Bullshit. Which, by the way, the album original, this is one where the album original is not fired, in my opinion. But this mashup was was thrilling because they they took those rhymes and they synced them up with that really sharp breakbeat from Know the Ledge by Eric B. and Rakim. Take a listen. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah, and you don't stop, and you won't stop, and you don't stop. I was a terrorist since the public school era. Bathroom passes, cutting classes, squeezing asses. Smoking blunts was a daily routine since 13. A chubby nigga on the street. Oh my God, that just, that just cooks. Oh, here, I, here's another one I just thought of uh, in, in terms of the, the remix. So uh, many, many episodes ago, I featured the Free Zone remix of Root Down by the Beastie Boys. I never liked the album version that much. The Free Zone remix is amazing. Listen to that and tell me it doesn't make their rhymes sound stronger. Tell me I'm wrong. It's just a better song. It's so much better that you don't you don't need the first one. Little pitter patty sounding song. Whoever whoever did that free zone remix deserves like some kind of presidential award or a ceremony or something. But just for fun, let's go back and just hear another scorching selection off the Biggie Eric B and Rakim matchup or matchup mashup matchup mashup. All right. Honey's wanna chat, but all we wanna know is where the party at. And can I bring my guests? I hope I don't get shot. Better throw my vest on my chest, cause niggas is a mess. It don't take nothing but front for me to start something. Bugging and bucking at niggas like I was duck hunting. Dumbing out just me and my crew, cause all we wanna do is. See? See, that's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Professor, for putting me on to another winner. By the way, um, if you want to hear a great radio show that uh, blends really some of the most artistic and worthy of, of, you know, uh, cuts being released today paired with really gems from the crates from the past few decades, Professor Mike knows what he's doing. K-A-B-F, down in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And I always mess up the, na- the name of, the, of, his, of his show. I'm sorry, M- Mike, I'm not even drunk, and I did it again. It's the old school, new school, need to know. Anyway, uh, sit in class and listen to the prof. It'll teach you things. The show takes me places. And this track, second, has also taken us. To the end of, end of uh, this episode. Once again, I'm the great unclean one saying, really appreciate you hitting play or downloading this, whoever you are out there. And um, yeah, until next time, may you fight long and well. <laughs>